0: Behind every great artist, there's a great band who help take the music from the studio to the stage. In each episode, I talk with some of the most accomplished and sought-after musicians in the world, delving into the details of their backgrounds, their stories, and their journeys, doing away with the fiction, and getting into the facts. It's not about the hype, it's not about the product, it's about the players. Players, 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 players. Alright, 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 hope everybody's keeping safe and well. In this episode, I jumped on a call with Jonathan Ginger Hamilton, better known as Ginger. Ginger has been one of the UK's most in-demand drummers for a decade, having played with Jesse J. JLS, Leanne Lehavis, Leona Lewis, Holly Mers, Westlife, and most recently Sam Smith, amongst many others. Check it out. When I listen back to a lot of these, um, I've, I've recorded a few now, and they all yeah. start like, okay, shit. All right, fuck. <laughs> <Let's do it. laughs> so uh, let me not do that. But yeah, okay. Shit! So I'm here <laughs> with my man.
1: Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you just said, "No, I think you kind of have to start it like that." That's gonna be a signature. Huh?
0: I, I can't help it. I can't help it, man. It's okay. Shit. I, I, I don't even see myself as a cursy kind of dude, but um, evidently I'm wrong about that. So, all right, shit. Here we go. I'm here with my man. Jonathan Ginger Hamilton, Ginger, it's great to talk to you, man. How you doing? Yes,
1: coach. I'm all right, man. Can't complain at all. Yeah, you know, it's it's trying times at the moment, but trying to uh, take one day at a time and, um, yeah, stay positive.
0: I heard that, man. It's taken us a minute to get this popping. Last time we did this, it was definitely an epic fail on my part. The audio was all fucked up. My bad. Apologies. I,
1: think, I feel <laughs> like it was kind of my fault, too. Because my laptop was dying, and
0: well, mutual blame is a good thing. So let's go with this: everybody's fault. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So shit, man. I where are you in the world right now, man? Let's um let's talk about your kind of right now and what's going on for you in the present. In
1: um, Nashville, Tennessee, right now. Wow. Um, Tennessee, Tennessee. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, currently in my home studio.
0: Wow, okay, okay And um, what's brought you to Tennessee, man? That's like, that's definitely not a Tennessee voice over there um. Um,
1: No, it's not It's a voice um, originally from South London Mm -hmm. um, Which is where I was born and bred Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it it just kind of, you know, my life Kind of took me here um, Fell in love, married an American woman
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, lived in America for um the best part of four years now.
0: Wow, okay, that's right. I didn't realize it had been four years already.
1: Well, yeah, it was like three and a half.
0: Yeah, and, and you are in the heart of country music. Yes, <laughs> <You> really... <yeah. laughs> How are you finding that, man? How are you finding living in America? Um, just um, I would say socially, but also musically, man. Um socially is it's great. I mean, to be fair,
1: musically, I haven't had a chance to kind of plug myself into any scene, any local scenes here because, mm-hmm. um, thankfully I've been a busy boy and mm-hmm. I've um, been working quite a lot, but, um, once everything opens up, that is, um, the plan, you know, to kind of see what the local scene is here and, sure. um, yeah, try and get involved.
0: Did you, um, obviously you fell in love and went to America, but did you ever have um, ambitions or designs on moving to the States for any particular reason? I did
1: um, Mm -hmm. in my late teens to early twenties. I definitely, definitely thought about it quite a lot Mm -hmm. because I think my playing style was, is quite conducive to how they play over here and Mm -hmm. how they, they do things over here. So I kind of, you know, wanted, I thought about trying my hand on, you know, breaking America as as a musician. I
0: but, think that's uh, like a common thing for people kind of, um, I think anywhere in the world, really, because I think America is such a big kind of mecca of music in general. I yeah. think everybody thinks to themselves, oh, what, has that kind of thought, don't they?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think America is so um, such a big influence on world culture, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, in order to make it to, you know, in some, in a lot of people's eyes, you have to break America. So it just kind of, it happened organically. So here I am.
0: Sure. Yeah. And what kind of like, so what kind of artists kind of inspired you growing up musically? What type of people did you like? What type of people did you listen to?
1: Um, Musically growing up, I mean, in my first years of growing up, um, I grew up in a Christian, very, um church background. So a lot of
0: right, my I'm try, I'm, I'm trying try not to cuss, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no.
1: Yeah. Um I grew up in a um in a church home. My dad is a pastor, so um a lot of the early musical influence came from gospel music.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So that would be uh his cow walkers, your um, you know, Fred Hammond's your you know the Walter Hawkins, you know, James Hall, a lot of choirs, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Tommies, commissioned the wine and stuff like that. I would listen to a yeah, lot of
2: yeah. music,
1: which I later found out, um, which was heavily influenced by um, mainstream music. Anyway, so sure, uh, yeah, that was my early kind of upbringing, and then obviously all gospel music back then was live. So it was always, you know, live drummers playing and, um, you know, a lot of live music. So I got to hear a lot of that, a lot of musicality from a, a very young age.
0: That's something I never really thought about that, like how like gospel music in itself is so live, even on record, you know what I'm saying? So yep. if you're growing up listening to that, that's going to really kind of inspire you and you're going to be into that type of approach to music anyway because that's yeah. what you're listening to huh yeah, yeah absolutely so if you were to choose three artists of any genre just to just to gauge kind of what you kind of are into musically three artists of any genre or I'll give you five you know what I'm saying yeah, please. that you could that you, had to, <laughs> that you had to listen to um on a desert island forever um on repeat who would that be um I would definitely,
1: I'm definitely taking Fred Hammond mm-hmm. out of the gospel. Um, James
0: Brown. Okay, there we go. Um, Not that Fred Hammond wasn't <laughs> some shit too. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, um,
1: I'm taking James Brown. Mm-hmm. I'm taking Stevie Wonder, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um I'm taking. Ooh, I'd probably say if I take sting, can I take the police stuff as well? Of course, you can. That that counts yeah. it. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take sting then. Um, okay, okay. And then, you know, how how many have I got left? I got four. I got you got four one, got man. One. That was four. One. I don't know. I, I don't to know you're I don't know. I have to take something super kind of out there. I've been mm. listening to a lot of uh, a lot of CeeLo lately. I
0: just Oh really? I, he's dope. I think Cee-lo, nah, CeeLo doesn't
1: get he doesn't get the like the recognition that he deserves. But I don't know, I wouldn't yeah. take him to a desert island.
0: I wouldn't take his music. No, CeeLo's dope to, pe- people forget about the Goody Mob too. You know they what I'm saying? Do. Like the Goody Mob was dope. But I mean yep. as does, does, have you been listening to him because you're, like, kind of down south now? <laughs>
2: is, 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 <laughs> probably.
0: <laughs> yeah, shit, shit. Yeah, no, you got one more, man. But CeeLo, you know, I wouldn't be mad at CeeLo. But, like, he, I, yeah, you got to have one more, though. One more.
1: Um, it would have to be probably something jazz like Coltrane or something.
0: Oh really? Okay, I thought you was gonna say Usher or some shit like that. Like, you yeah, know, I you but know. I mean, James Brown kind of covers that. I guess he does in a way. In a way, I don't know. I mean, hey, you know what, man? It's it's your, it's your list and your eternity. So, so, yeah, I mean, if I'm taking
1: Usher, that means I have to take all these live stuff because that's what that's what influenced me about Usher the most.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. So, I mean, again, so that's interesting, man. That was just a good kind of like, um, good kind of choices, man. I didn't realize you was into, um, the police like that too, man. I was a big, um, Sting fan, um, particularly yeah. like from that kind of, um, Dream of the Blue Turtles album. I, I really liked yeah. that a lot. Um, yeah. but yeah, so like now that you're, um, living in the States, is there any kind of, um, U.S. artists in particular that are around now that you'd like to work with. Um,
1: I I guess the U.S. artists I would, I mean the U.S. artists I've always wanted to work with would have been like an Asha or Chris Brown.
2: Mm-hmm,
0: um, mm-hmm. I think I don't know. I really like Charlie Puth. You know, I think he's dope. Charlie I mean, Puth is fucking dope. Charlie Puth is dope. Now that's that would be kind of cool.
1: That would be sick. That would be a really sick gig. It's like a, almost like a modern day Toto.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It
1: really is. It's just it's so musical, and you know he plays and he he loves playing live as well. So it's yeah, that would probably be the one.
0: Yeah, low key that would be done. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a pretty nice dude. I had to do his broadcast audio one time. I mean, it's not to say I work with him, but I definitely yeah. made some choices. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> definitely made it to a few important choices for one live show. So there you go; that counts, right? You can put that, that on your CV. <laughs> did, I mean, did you put an invoice in? I definitely put an invoice in. So shit. Yeah, you <laughs> <Poo>. <laughs> I definitely work with Charlie Booth. <laughs> so <laughs> so man, I mean just out of curiosity too man just cuz we're on this train so now that you're um living in america but still yeah. working with a lot of uk artists and whatnot what is yes. your kind of view of the um the uk music scene and how do you kind of see does does it seem different from across the pond looking outside in now um yeah i mean
1: to be fair the uk music scene will always thrive because mm. it's um it's so innovative. And yes. I think that's what you get to see looking outside in, you know, that such a small island is able mm. to um like influence the world like that, you know. And a lot of UK artists are really big in America.
0: Mm. That's interesting because that's not something people see so much. Like people it's not- tend to Yeah, people from here seem to think that Everything there is so big, but then it's yeah. kind of maybe not the case, huh?
1: It's not. I mean, just going like to the supermarket, you know. There's, I'm, I'm sure, at every day at some point, if I go to the supermarket or I go to a shop or something, I'm guaranteed to hear like Ed Sheeran.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ed Sheeran is the biggest artist in the world, though. Like that's, yeah, I mean, I'm
1: guaranteed but, to hear, you know, Adele, you know, Sam yeah. Smith. You know, there's Ellie Golden as well, you know. <clears throat> like a yeah. lot of um a lot of British artists are I've heard a lot over here.
0: That's really interesting. That's really, really interesting to think that. Um just because I think as well that again over here there's so much sort of interest in the American artists, but I think that people don't understand it. In the States, there's so much interest in the British artists. And even a lot of times they don't even really know where motherfuckers is from. They just know whether they like something or they don't. You know what I mean? And then it comes over and the fact that it is different and it comes from a different market and a different energy kind of gives it a bit of a bit of a different flavor, I guess, than what's kind of on the radio there kind of back to back or whatever. huh?
1: Yeah. And I think that's where, um, you know, social media has helped. Like, Mm -hmm. tremendously It's removed all borders From music So it's like, you know um, That that song, Don't Rush Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have been heard In America If it wasn't for TikTok And, you know, that that TikTok challenge So, now that song That's like Urban British music Is Like, it's a hit in America now
0: I feel like So much of the world music now Like Shit shit is like you have a UK thing, you got the Afrobeat thing, you got the trap thing, you got the fucking the drill. You, your drill thing. It's like you don't know what the fuck anything is from until people like, you know what I'm saying? And then you got people kind of putting a little bit of this accent, a little bit of that accent, a little bit of that slang, a little bit less. It's like it's hard to really tell. I feel like things have kind of like, um, merged into just like a really nice kind of like international kind of place you know what I mean where everything is kind of um sits you know everything can sit at everybody can sit at the same table which I think is great so yeah so like we we touched briefly on the UK artists and the fact that you've been working with a lot of UK artists um since you've been in the states but just briefly tell me or just tell everybody some of the people you've worked with over your already distinguished career. Thank you, sir. Um,
1: uh, I'll probably go I'll go from the start mm-hmm. and work my way back to where I am now. Um, mm-hmm. I started off with uh, VV Brown in mm-hmm. 2008, mm-hmm. Uh, two years, and then uh, played for Peter Andre, mm-hmm. um, Pixie Lott, uh, mm-hmm. Jesse J,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Ndubs. Mm-hmm. Um, JLS, mm-hmm. um, Leona Lewis, mm-hmm. Leanna Haves Ollie Mers.
0: Now you've t- now you're clowning, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: um, Sam Smith, uh, Westlife.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, wow, okay. I mean, there's a lot of big names in there. Um, <laughs> Uh, you you have definitely seen a lot of arenas too. <laughs> that, that, there's a lot of big touring and acts.
1: Yeah, um good thanks, but it's, it's my career has um it's been great and you know it's all it's kind of progressed naturally, which is one thing I'm I'm quite proud of.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just in that kind of list, you, people like Sam Smith, Westlife, very different than Leanne Le Havis or yeah. Jesse J or even JLS. How do you um, find adapting to different musics and different energies of people as well? How do you kind of go about doing that?
1: Um, that's where I find my joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that, you know, in order to be busy, especially somewhere, you know, like the UK, um, you can't be too one dimensional, um,
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: but you know, so for me, and I think some of the reasons why I took some of these gigs was to not get typecasted into just being a, you know, urban pop drummer or a, you like an R and B gospel. I didn't want it to be typecasted. I just wanted to be someone who could get the job done. So, um, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I like. I like adapting to, you know, different situations, um, changing my setup, adjusting my sound, um, using different symbols or whatever call whatever the gig calls for. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That that's what you know. That's what keeps my excitement about playing my instrument. I think if you just keep doing something over and over again, it's it's bound to get boring.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. The takeaway there is it's really important to I think what you don't do sometimes is as important as what you do do. Absolutely. In, in music. I think it's really interesting. I think again it's important for people to know that um you know, you want to paint like a really kind of varied picture with lots of different colors and lots of different kind of textures and scenes so that people you know, people feel confident in you being able to do different things, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that coming Coming from Jesse J to Leanne Mm LaHavas, I think that was that was a great kind of transition out of that gig because I was on Jesse for so long. I started Mm -hmm. to get known for that type and that style of playing
2: because Mm -hmm. you
1: know Jesse, I was on Jesse for so long, and it was it was a big gig, so I got loads of exposure playing that that kind of way. So Mm -hmm. you know, um, coming off of that. And then just having, you know, two toms, my snare tuned deep, you know, cymbals, like dark and dry, instead of having like 8, 10, 12, 16, and like cymbals galore and bright. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, it was like, a, like night and day.
0: I definitely remember there being like at least 21 cymbals at one point. Was <laughs> <every day. laughs> that, that number definitely sticks in my head. You know I mean... <laughs>
1: It felt like 21, especially when uh, there was one front of house guy who will who remain nameless.
0: Oh, yeah, he <laughs> he had mics on the top and bottom, that's right.
1: <laughs> he, mic'd, he mic'd every single. I remember just, I was like, I'm going to just take the piss. I'm like, can I have <laughs> symbol number seven up, please? Thanks. <laughs> yep.
0: It must have been like 30, 40 channels of drums or some shit like that. It
1: must have been. I was like, I was actually shocked that, he actually got away with
0: this yeah to be fair he's a G though (laughs) he's one of them dudes that he could do that he could make that work yeah and it did work how did how long did you do Jesse J for how long did you do that gig for um officially for
1: seven years
0: seven years wow that's a long time 2010 to
1: 2017
0: just just briefly jesus how does it feel to be on a gig for that long um what is it what is it you know as you get into year three four five six how does that feel um
1: it has its pros and its cons Um, Mm -hmm. the pros are you know you're you're comfortable with everyone everyone's like family Um, Mm -hmm. and um you know you've kind of established yourself on the gig you kind of Don't have to You know You know Why they Why you're there And why they've kept you And you don't have to Kind of try too hard It's like A mm-hmm. lot of Because this industry Is so fickle They find themselves Trying too hard To stay on the gig mm-hmm. So You know By year three Or year four You can kind of Relax a little bit Don't get too mm-hmm. comfortable <laughs> um, yeah, yeah Relax a little bit And um, Enjoy it You know and then, obviously, by that time, you know, they're, they're well, m- more well-known and their songs are more well-known. So, you know, arrangements can change and, you know, you can get a little bit more freedom to express yourself or, you know, you're not just presenting the songs to people for the first time.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, it's, it's it's more fun musically as well.
0: How How important would you say, your general behavior and professionalism is, um, in that context of, you know, just keeping a gig for a long time. Um, because I find that, um, a lot of the times people feel the need to kind of let you know how many gigs they've done, um, over a short period. And it's kind of like doing lots of gigs is one thing, but keeping a gig is actually, that's a lot harder than getting a gig in my opinion. So yeah. What skills did you need to kind of like, to maintain that gig for so long. Yeah. I mean,
1: they, like a lot of people say, you know, you're on stage is, it can account for 30% of mm-hmm. the total package of being a working musician. And I totally agree with that. Um, cause you only spend two and a half hours out of every day
2: mm-hmm.
1: on stage. And that's including soundtrack. So it's like, how you are off stage? Are you a nice person to be around? You know, are you on mm-hmm. time? Uh, you know, do you smell good? Like some people don't <laughs> like, want to be around you if you stink.
0: Nobody wants to be around
1: you if you stink. Nobody
0: wants. Some people. Like, nobody wants that. Just,
1: uh, <laughs> like it's you know. I'm um, the obviously. There are more important things, but there's like that. Your off stage etiquette is probably more important than how you can play, because I know. There are some people who are amazing, amazing musicians. And, you know, they get some opportunities, but they can't keep them. Yes. And it has a lot to do with their attitude.
0: Yeah. Attitude is everything, isn't it? Really, yeah. really is.
1: You know, there's some people who have less talent, but have a great attitude. And, you know, they are pleasant to be around, super professional. They have all their gear correct. And, you know, that's why they end up getting and staying on
0: gigs. Absolutely. And how important, you just mentioned gear, actually. And I just, just flashing, I always used to make money because you was always like, <laughs> you were always very, very well equipped. <laughs> like in terms of like, oh, so you had your flight cases, you had fucking yeah. two snares, three snares, two kits, backup kit, main kit, you know, <laughs> A-rig, C-rig, like, you know, like you've always kind of been well equipped and i think from a really young age as well like i think a lot of people don't know you're still very young and um you how old were you when you started playing professionally
1: i was 18 when i started playing professionally um so yeah i think for me it was it was kind of just drilled into me like just be ready just you know i remember on vv brown I didn't need to have one, but I just bought SPD pad because mm-hmm. I was like, okay, from maybe for something else, um, you know. And then I ended up—I forgot to mention Devlin. I did Devlin with you, and I needed it yeah. on Devlin. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's just I don't like to have to have to say, "Oh no, I don't have it. I'll get it." It's you know, as you would say, better to have and not need
0: yeah the need to not have <laughs>
1: um i kind of adopted that philosophy and you know tried to be as prepared as possible
0: yeah because um, you never know i, I think that's yeah. the thing that people don't kind of um understand there's something we've spoken about a few times on this podcast but you have to be ready for whatever and i think that exactly. like some sometimes what you're ready for in a sense kind of can dictate what it is that you feel you're going to be getting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you don't have shit, maybe you're not going to get shit. <laughs> like not to be messed up, but if you like, if you, if you, if you, if you're preparing, like you're just going to do some regular ass, like fucking just small club gigs, which is fine. That's cool. Maybe that's what you get. But if you're kind of like preparing as if you're going to be doing theaters, arenas, working with big acts, working, whatever you should have to start thinking about, okay, what type of tools do I need to do that? If I want exactly. to do X gig, what tools do I need to do that? You know what I'm saying? There's no need point going into a gig where I'm need electronics and I'm sitting here with a fucking cajon. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> Right.
1: <laughs> like, everyone's like, running you know. triggers and you're just sitting there like, oh, and mm-hmm. I mean, and, I'm, and for me, I'm not just a stickler on getting the gear. I'm a stickler mm-hmm. on knowing the gear too. Because, 100%. Um, I hate I hate wasting time Yes Because I hate my, my time being wasted Especially when it comes To rehearsals And if I'm there An hour late Because someone doesn't Know their gear They're gonna yeah. get
0: it. <laughs> I think sometimes As a musician People don't You know They're not prepared enough And it can be embarrassing When you're sitting there Trying to learn How to do something And your rest of your Bandmates are standing there Like looking at you Waiting you know, Exactly Looking at their phones <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And I do mean, be like I just I'm, I don't know I don't like that feeling of everyone waiting for me so if I can eliminate that by the night before just reading the, the manual yeah. and seeing okay if I had to put reverb on this sound or if I if I had to chop this sound a little bit how would I do it
0: I think it's just a thing of not being lazy and taking things yeah. for granted you yeah. know I think it's just like it's equivalent of like buying a car, but you don't know how to drive. Like who the yeah. fuck would do that? You know what I'm saying? Like I got that car though. Like nigga, you can't drive. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like what good is that? Yo, why don't you run me around the corner? Oh yeah. The thing is, okay, wait a second. Let me, um, let me work on this clutch right quick. Wait a second. Right. Could you could you imagine that? It's true. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So like, I remember again, you were always, um, you started very young. Yes. Um, and I imagine a lot of the time you would have been, um, one of the youngest people in the band. How did you yeah. adapt with, um, working with people that were older than you, more experienced than you, um, how did that feel? And what did you kind of do to kind of bridge those gaps, so to speak? Um,
1: um, fortunately for me, um, I, for the first four years mm-hmm. of my career, mm-hmm. well, for the first two years, solid. I was touring with my big brother, Smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helped. And he's six years older than me. So mm-hmm. um, growing up, obviously wanting to hang out with him, I kind of had to grow up faster than than normal.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: um, upstairs, like mentally. So in order to kind of, you know, gain his trust, that, that I, if I take you out, stop, don't be acting like a kid. So, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, you know, in order to just go to gigs before I started touring. Mm-hmm. So I kept that, I kept that mentality as I was touring and then, yeah, just tried to learn as much as I could from the people who are more experienced and, you know, learn, tour as quickly as I could from a young age. Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm.
1: And then, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was cool at the beginning being the youngest. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm the youngest in the band anymore.
0: No, that's how life goes. You go from being the youngest in the band to being the oldest. You're like, oh, whoa, okay. <laughs> that I happened I quick. Still might be the youngest on South yeah. Smith,
1: uh-huh. depending on who comes to play keys. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Well, wow, that's interesting. So, like, I guess as we're talking about. Um, you know, you being young and getting into the game and obviously getting a lot of support from your brother. What's your kind of background just briefly, you know, how did you kind of start playing and how did you learn to play? And, you know, why did you, how did you get into session?
1: Um, I learned to play, um, in church Well, I grew up playing in church, um, Mm self-taught and, um, you know, would do, you know, certain gospel gigs around London and, you know Birmingham, that stuff like that, and um, yeah, I kind of as soon as I kind of found out that people who grew up in church they're going out on tour now and they're making money, mm-hmm. that was like that was like the the light switch for me. I was like, okay, I want to be a footballer, but I ain't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. i'm good enough i'm good enough at the at these drums so uh-huh. i'm gonna put all my eggs into that basket so to speak and um kind of pursue a career um you know and as i started getting to my mid to late teens i started meeting a lot of these musicians that were touring like your gareth browns um mm-hmm. steve octaves um you know, Bailey, Josh McKenzie, mm-hmm. these guys, I started meeting them around 15, so 15 to 17. So Gareth kind of took me under his wing. And um, yeah, straight out of college. <clears throat> well, I was actually still in college when uh, when Octave called me to do some mimes with Kelly Rowland. Okay. I actually skipped college that week. <laughs> oh wow. To, wow, I went to do some mimes with Kelly Rowland, and then I remember. So, getting, basically, hey, you
0: play for Destiny Child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I mean I believe, we're not trying to add stuff, but I mean, Kelly Rowland I'm, is Kelly Rowland, right? I mean, Kelly
1: Rowland is Kelly Rowland, but I didn't do anything. She was, any she was like definitely
0: in like Destiny that. Child, though, right? I mean, she, she was, was definitely,
1: but okay, I'm, cool, huh? I don't count it because I don't count gigs where I don't play.
0: Right, right, right. Fair enough. But you were so, kind of on stage with Destiny's Child, right? I'm just saying. Yeah, I was,
1: I was on stage with Destiny's Child, definitely. <laughs>
0: okay. Never- Call it what you will,
1: but... <laughs> at, th- at this point, I'm Destiny's Child's drummer, so...
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, on that day, 2008, <laughs> 7 o'clock, <laughs> I was Destiny's Child's drummer, so you can't take that away from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, so, okay, but all jokes aside, so you were kind of I wanna ask you about being self taught quickly, but essentially, you learned to play this instrument, you were playing in church, you there were other there are certain peers, friends, people that you started meeting who yeah. had a similar background but were also playing pop music and whatnot, and I guess yeah. they became kind of role models for you. Absolutely. you saw that as a possible path to take a job. And then you started kind of moving in that in that direction and, you know, I guess letting people know that you are available to do that type of thing. And I guess people would see that in you as well. Right. Yeah. Excellent. But I wanted to ask you, like, when people say like, oh, you know, it's a self-taught, a lot of motherfuckers say that they just, it just rolls off the tongue. Like, how do you just teach yourself to do something so complex, like playing the drums? How does that happen? I mean,
1: I guess, um, I just, Obviously, I was naturally kind of gifted at it, um, mm-hmm. and you know my parents saw that from an early age,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um, they bought me a drum kit. Mm-hmm. So that kind of helped cultivate it, and then mm-hmm. I kind of had to just listen to listen to old CDs and tapes. It was tapes back then, actually. I'm I am that old. Um, <laughs> wow, you remember? I'd, well, okay, you remember I remember leaving. cassette tapes, man.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, tapes and um, VHSs, mm-hmm. and just say what I heard. Right. And that's what I kind of grew up doing, and mm-hmm. then playing in church. You know, you're playing every Sunday. So you get you're getting confidence, mm-hmm. and then obviously I had m- my drum kit at home, so I was mm-hmm. able to kind of practice and yeah, just literally. I'm an auditory learner, so I I would just play what I heard and make it sound as close to what it was. And you never had any formal lessons? I had a couple of formal lessons in my early years, Mm -hmm. and my drum teacher was like, "Uh, there's not much I can teach you, but I was like, yeah, I still want to learn. And now I, you know, I should have kind of pressed my parents harder to, ki- to keep them up because um, now I'm playing catch up and stuff like the theory, drum theory and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So um, I did take a, a couple of formal lessons, but it wasn't consistent at all.
0: Wow. Wow. That's actually amazing, man. I think that like a lot of people would be thinking to themselves, I couldn't just walk up to a particular instrument and then just start playing it. But yeah. I think that like um, – I think that you get drawn to an instrument, you know, I've just always believed that like, if you, if there's something's around and you have an interest in it, you'll start kind of, messing around with it and figuring out how it works. And if you really have an interest over time you'll kind of like you yeah, you'll you'll start kind of trying to work it out. And it's it for some people it's it's enough of an interest to make them want to go get the lessons. And other people yeah. it's just about, you know what, I feel like I can do this and get to a point and maybe when you get stuck you seek help. But it's I think yeah. that having that real passion for it is um is super important and probably one of the things which just, you know, guided you, but also you just, it's a gift, isn't it? You have a talent for something like everybody yeah. can't be loud Messi, messy, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, this is it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call myself messy by a long stretch, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, when you, you're naturally gifted at something and, um, and you, you know, I, I practiced a lot as well. I kind of got to where I am now, but mm-hmm. um no, I'm more inclined. I would actually be open to taking lessons now. Even at this stage of my career, I would still be open to
0: taking lessons. Well, I pity the fool to try and give you some lessons right now, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't know how that's going to work. Like, who's going <laughs> to... Jesus, I mean, I don't know how that's going to work out, I mean,
1: There's definitely certain things I think that you no, know, maybe because I'm self-taught, maybe mm-hmm. my technique is not as efficient as it should be. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, I can be refined and, you know, and I, I need to be I need to learn how to read um fluently to a, I want to learn how to read to a grade eight standard. So wow. there's I can be taught in that area too. You mm-hmm. know
0: mm-hmm.
1: I feel like I feel like there's always something to learn.
0: A hundred percent, man. I think that when you um when you stop learning and you stop growing then pff, you might as well stop doing it. You know what I mean? I, th- I feel <laughs> like it's, it's important to always be kind of pushing yourself and kind of um, trying to adapt to new things. I think that's part of what kind of keeps you alive as a human being. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, yeah. So it's like, it's like if you're not moving forward, then you're going backwards. Right. I mean, yeah, Absolutely. So like you've been, I mean, what are we going to say now? It, over a decade now, you've been pretty much working constantly in yeah. the in kind of in pop music touring sessioning, you know. Um I've known you to always be very, very busy. Um yes. that's obviously a big part of that is obviously your um your talent and your ability, but also your professionalism, um and all of the all the great things that make people various people want to book you. Um yes. what would you say like has been um the biggest challenge for you as a musician, um, sessioning over the past kind of ten to twelve, fifteen years, whatever it is. Um,
1: that's a good question. Actually, um, the biggest challenge was, um, I think the biggest challenge for me is keeping keeping it fresh mm-hmm. and not not being becoming dated or mm-hmm. not becoming you know, a one-trip pony, so to speak, because when you start playing, you know, if you're touring with an act for a year, you're playing a pool of 15 songs Mm -hmm. for a year straight. So once you get conditioned to playing that, then you, you know, you condition your drum fills to those songs and you condition your hi-hat patterns to those songs, stuff like that. So I, I think for me that that will be the biggest challenge is staying fresh. Mm-hmm. And um, as much as I could, if I was when I was doing Jesse, I would always try if I could do another gig mm-hmm. that year, or mm-hmm. like if I could fit another tour in mm-hmm. at some point in that year, I would do that mm-hmm. to kind of just keep keep my brain fresh and you know stay as musically active as I could.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Do you have like a particular? Practice routine or regime or regime that you kind of stick to, or not really,
1: I mean I get on a kit to practice these days, I'm just more upset with myself than anything like <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just just try and play like or if I see something on Instagram or try and work out what they're doing that's how i um I grew up practicing, I would literally see something or hear something and try and work it out, so I'm I'm back to that now which feels
0: yeah, great. yeah 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 you know,
1: just I just d- have the time to sit down and actually work something out note for note like okay his right foot's there uh, left foot there alright uh, sick and then okay I've got that now I can adapt it to how I would approach it or how I would play it
0: yeah 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 I can relate to that man I, I remember like that's when I that I think that's one of the things that I used to love doing when I was young and coming up and learning to play anything that would be the test. That would be the thing. Like you hear something that inspires you so much. You'd be like, Yo, I got to fucking, go, I got to learn how to play that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you go, um, you go to your instrument or whatever and you like, try and figure it out. You know what I yeah. mean? And that's kind of like, um, I, I love it when I hear something that makes me kind of think, damn, I need to learn how to play that. And I, I need to, I need to dissect that. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Um, what was the last piece of music you could think of that made you feel like that actually?
1: um, Well, for me, it's more so like, or if I hear a drum fill, or if I hear like someone soloing for mm-hmm. like four bars, I would try and work out at least a, like a bar at a time of what they're doing. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, I f- I think with modern music, like drum patterns are not as um, complicated these days, so it's not like a piece of music that I have to work out. If I wanted to do that, then I'd probably have to go back to like. 80s 80s drum 80s drum loops like, Yeah, yeah you know, Whatever I Whatever I want to Kick myself in the ass <laughs> I put a 777 <laughs> <laughs> And You know Yeah Play that For like Five minutes straight And then You know I can't get off my drums Until I play
0: it Yeah, yeah, yeah That's what's up but, though
1: <laughs> You know a lot of these Instagram dramas They're sick man Just some mm. of the stuff They're pulling off I'm like I remember when I used to be able to Just play And do that and So I'm just trying to get back to that
0: It's interesting Because that kind of Brings me on to my next question But I mean I guess the thing is Is like I think pulling off something On Instagram In a little snippet And then pulling off something On a gig In a tour For yeah. A professional artist um, You know Over like a 12, 13, 14 year period, that's a whole other ball of wax, man. <laughs> that's yeah. like, I think there's not a lot of people that could do that. There's probably more people that could cop that kind of Instagram feel than could actually yeah. hold down the type of gigs that you've done. So um, I wanted to ask you, you know, because seeing as you've kind of worked with such a broad section of people, like like you mentioned, Sam Smith, Leanne LaHavis, Jesse J, Westlife, you know, Leona Lewis, yeah. how do you, what's, what's your process for, learning the music for a gig or preparing yourself to actually play a live show or do a tour or, you know, or whatever. How do you kind of go about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, my first, uh, first thing for me is I have to hear the music. So mm-hmm. it's like, um, when I get called for a gig and then production, I'm like, what, what drums are you? using? I'm like, I need to hear the music first. Mm-hmm. I, don't even, mm-hmm. I don't even know what drums I'm using until I hear the music.
2: Like, mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I think that's how the process starts. Just listen to the music, immerse myself Mm -hmm. in it. And then Mm -hmm. from, from then I've, I can't think about, okay, what would my setup be? And then, you know, I start breaking the parts down and depending on, you know, the MD, if it's someone Mm -hmm. like yourself, then, Mm -hmm. you know, you send stems and you send sounds. So cool. Get the sounds in.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Boom, boom, boom and then you start preparing that way. And then Mm -hmm. now see, I've got um, a setup at home. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: If I, if I get called for or get sent new songs, I'll be able to work out at home Mm -hmm. and then, you know, get to rehearsal and then find out exactly what the MD wants me to play. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, my idea of what I want to play might be completely different.
2: And then
1: depending like if it's, obviously I'll go back to working with yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you like us to, to kind of bounce off each other. Okay. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. I wanted you to play this. I'll coach. What if I tried this? Or, you know, I thought I was going to do it this way. He's like, okay, we'll try it this way and try it my way. let's see if we can merge the two. So, um, it's that, that's kind of how I prepare. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously, whatever's the main standout drum pattern of the song, Mm -hmm. you learn that. Mm -hmm. And then, you kind of go from there.
0: And how do you find working or adapting to different, working with different MDs as well? Cause obviously um, you mentioned, obviously, you know, you're playing what the MD wants you to play or whatever, but I guess every MD is different. Every gig yeah. is different. Everybody wants different things. How do you kind of find working with different people?
1: Um, I enjoy it. I like mm-hmm. seeing different people's takes on music.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um,
1: mm-hmm. um, I enjoy working with different MDs. I think, that, um, you know, some MDs are more kind of, I've kind of like, I kind of um, equate a lot of music. I kind of parallel it to, to football. So it's just of like...
0: It, of course it is. <laughs> the whole all thing, thing is football. Yeah. <laughs> it's, all, it's all football. Yeah. <laughs> it's all football.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, it's like, you know, playing for a, a different manager. Every manager yeah. has their own philosophy of mm-hmm. how to play football. And it's the same with MDs, you know, they got their own philosophy of how they want to present live music. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, trying to fit into that philosophy of what your MD is trying to do. And, you know, they've called you for what you can bring to the table. So I think now I kind of, I kind of bring that confidence into say, okay, well, what if I tried this or, and if, the, if it's, no, do it my way, then cool. I'll do it your way. That's mm-hmm. fine. But if, you know, I like to kind of make suggestions on what I think would sound good as well.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. You know, I think that I can only speak for myself, but I think it's like what you said is that's right. It's like if somebody has asked you to be in a room, they don't want you to just be a puppet. They actually want you, you know, they've actually liked something about you too. So I think it's important to kind of, brings, you know, brings something to the table as well um, yeah. if it, yeah. And, and, and if, if it makes it cool, but if not, but at least you've kind of brought something there because I think exactly. that's important. It's a, it is a team sport. And I think everybody wants a bit of every, to see what everybody can kind of bring to make it all yeah. better.
1: And I think it's, um, yeah, I think it's important to do that as well, you know, because um, you're the one that has to play the parts and you want to be proud of what you're playing. But well,
0: this is, yeah, this is, well, this is it. It's like, sometimes I would, I would rather like, I mean, you know this anyway, but I would rather you play something that you really like than, or that you enjoy playing, like, rather than just fucking, no, play it like this. I mean, I know some people work like that, but it's like, <laughs> I just, I just feel like, you know, you don't want a situation where somebody's just doing things under duress. For me, it's more important to kind of get people to, if I feel really strongly about something being a certain way it's for me it's more about making them understand why i see it that way yeah. and them kind of maybe kind of appreciating it and thinking okay i get it but rather than i would hate to be like yeah just play it like this that's like yeah. that that that's that that, that that don't make a good environment
1: it doesn't and you know thankfully i haven't worked with an md like that
2: mm-hmm. um
1: everyone is kind of giving me the liberty and um trust me enough to know that I won't take won't go too far so they kind of let me do my thing
0: absolutely i think as well you know you've um i've observed that you've kind of you're one of the not one of the few but you've worked with like a lot of different md's um it's not just one or two people that have hired you it's a number of different people so that obviously means that you understand how to kind of um cultivate those relationships and you're obviously People enjoy working with you. So I think that's something that's important for people to know. It's like be somebody that's good to work with and that people want to work with. And I think that those key relationships um, with your MD, other musicians, people in the band, those are really, really important relationships because you might work, you know, sometimes people spend a little bit too much time sucking up to the artist. And whilst that's great, you might work with that artist for one or two years. You might work with that MD or other bass player or keyboard player, you might work with them for 20 years.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Back to football again. So like yes, the, the artist is your club. That's the that's club. Right. You play. But you know, your MD, that's your manager.
0: And if, Definitely you know, your manager.
1: So, you know, you play for, you kind of play for the manager. Out in the music game, you play for the manager more than you play for the club. Because, you know, at, um, like you said, you can only play. You might play for an artist for two years, and then you know your MD gets another gig, and he calls you straight in and you're that's right. You're back on the road of another artist for another two, three years. I adapted that very early. It's like okay, artists come and go, but you know there's MDs, especially the best ones, they're around for years.
0: That's very, very true, man. And I think that that's um. That's good advice because um, I can speak from just from from my personal experience. It's like sometimes if I don't enjoy working with somebody, it's just like there might not be anything against them musically, but it's just like you just don't want them around no more. Like once you feel like you might be you might tolerate somebody on one gig or you might deal with them on one particular project, but once that project's finished, you like. Ooh, like, <laughs> like, like, all right. Glad I don't have to fuck with them no more. Just because it's like, you know, it's everybody wants to enjoy, and I'm just I'm sure it's the same way for musicians to work with MDs that they don't click with. But even still, <laughs> I think that trying to kind of click with everybody around you is important, and it's and it's I think it's a great skill to have for longevity. So, like, just as as we're talking about this particular type of thing, what tips yeah. or advice would you give? Um, to musicians coming up about touring or being on pop gigs or professional gigs like if you were to say like just a few things that you think are key for them to kind of know what would you say
1: I'd say first of all um, invest in your craft Mm -hmm. and that that's time and money as well I think it's important to be as self-sufficient as you can be Mm um um so don't you know, there there are some gigs when you get to um a certain level that they, you know, if you don't have something, they'll get it in for you. The production company will buy it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But if you are as self sufficient, they they love that. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. Like, okay. And some people, you know, these days it's not just MDs calling musicians. Sometimes it's production companies calling musicians. That's right. You know, I, I got called for Westlife because Steve Levitt lo- loved how I did JLS and how I did Ollie. Mm-hmm. So when Westlife was looking for a drummer, he put my name forward. So that kind of leads me into my next one is you have to be a likable person mm-hmm. with everybody, not just your bandmates. Make make time for the crew,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: just hello, how was your day off, stuff like that, because you don't know where your next call is coming from. That's right. You know, it could be it could be the lighting guy who's like, someone comes up to the lighting guy like, do you know any any keyboardist or any drummer? Or, like, I've seen it happen. So, yeah. you know, I say be a likable person to everybody, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously enjoy the moment, enjoy enjoy when you're you're on the road, kind of make the most of it. I'm learning to kind of do that more and not take it for granted that I'm you know in Paris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a privilege to be able to see the world, Mm -hmm. um, essentially for free. You are getting paid to see the world
2: Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm.
1: pay for flights and stuff like that. So, kind of make the most of that. Yeah, I I think do your best on stage. You know, they say you are only as good as your last gig. So
0: that's right. That's right.
1: You know, I like to adapt that philosophy also, and just you know, play like it's it's my last time
0: every time. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, no, that's great advice, man. I think that particularly what you said about, you know, just being friendly with everybody and just leaving a good impression on everybody around because people don't think as well. It's like what we do, it's, it's a word of mouth business. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, as much as, you know, you know, nobody can have everybody speak well of them, but it's just like, you know, you don't know people's relationships and all it takes is for one lightened guy, to be like, oh, I work with him on X gig and he was an asshole. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Or I work with him or or a tech. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, he was a bloody nightmare. And if the yeah. MD knows that tech and has worked with that tech and trusts that tech, that word might be that might be gospel. <laughs> so that might be your ass. So it's kind of like it's yeah. really important to think about the whole team, everybody involved, and try and leave a good impression and try and not have you know as 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 much as possible. You want people to have good things to say about you. Um, so like. Already, man, I mean, you're still young, but you've already had an amazing career. You've done amazing things. You've traveled the world. You've played with lots of different artists. You're kind of like, you've done everything that I think a lot of people would want to do in the session game. You know, you've done arenas, you've done stadiums, you've done all that. But do you have any ambitions or boxes left to tick in in, in the kind of in the session world that you kind of, things that you still would like to achieve?
1: Yeah, there are things. Um, a few personal things that I'd like to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, my kind, the goals I used to set uh, were venues. Mm-hmm. So you know, when I was in my early teens, if you're from South London, then you know that Fairfield Halls, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> or Catford Broadway, as it was <laughs> as it's now called, like those yeah. were the venues to play in South London.
0: Right, right, right. It
1: started from that and then it kind of grew from that. It turned into, you know, Shepherds Bush Empire and then became Hammersmith Apollo and then it became the O2. And then, you know, um, I would, I still need to do Wembley Stadium. You did Wembley Stadium? As a headliner. Oh,
0: okay, okay, okay.
1: Headline gig at Wembley Stadium. Mm -hmm. I've done it, um, you know, at Summertime Ball, but, you know, you're on stage for... 13 minutes and 42 seconds.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, um, that, that's, you know, that's still on my bucket list.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think a, a whole stadium tour as a headliner would be, would be amazing.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. And then I guess now as yeah, just more, more of the award shows. Mm-hmm to get a lot more of that um, under my belt and the Super Bowl if I can why not yeah
0: that's rough we, shit I'm, I'm trying to get the Super Bowl fuck that <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, you know now um, that's like disgusting. that's gonna be hard though I feel like Adam ain't giving that up <laughs> I,
1: I, I heard you like the MD for the whole live performance
0: Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. And right, rightly so. He's amazing, but you know, yeah, shit. Let me up. just get like one. Let me, get <laughs> let, me, let me just be in the band. I, don't yeah. have to. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. But um, yeah, man, that's, that's fantastic, man. And um, it's great to know that there's still things that you still want to do and people, um, I think it's important to set yourself goals um, and go for it man they always say shoot for the moon and you never know if you, you don't make it you land amongst the stars so it's yeah. like you got to have ambition and you got to have things you want to do um,
1: yeah, I think for me now and you know that's part of the reason why we're in Nashville as well I wanted to get more into um, you know playing playing on records
0: right well. right I, yeah so that's, I was to say what's next for you man yeah like, like, like what are you trying to do now
1: yeah, that's that's where I'm at now is just trying to play on records and leave more of a of a, a longer-lasting legacy behind. People obviously remember tours, but, you know, records, they last forever.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: So the more of those I can play on, it's the more I can I last forever, so to speak.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I was I was just going to say that I just think that, like, yeah, that I think that, There's definitely space. You've got amazing musicians that have done amazing things on amazing tours, amazing live shows, but I mean, it would be great to hear more of those people on records, like you said, and just things that live on and just just more so people have a bit more visibility and awareness of, you know, the contributions people make, because like you said, you might have played summertime ball for somebody like, you know, you might have done that 10 times and, you know, played to a hundred thousand people and who knows how many records you would have helped sell. In different venues around the world on different tours, but it's kind of like people don't remember. Do you know what I mean? Unless somebody buys a, a tour book and keeps it, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it, it doesn't kind of live on, does it?
1: Oh, uh, so yeah, I think that's that's the that's the kind of um, goal moving forward. Yeah, I'm I'm quite excited. It feels like a new challenge, mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, it. kind of brings back the excitement of wanting to do this.
0: Yeah, and and how are you? In, so, with regards to um, looking to do more recording work, what are you sort of doing at the moment? What's your kind of what's your plan, and how are you kind of approaching that?
1: Well, at this very at this present time, um, mm-hmm. with all the the lockdowns and quarantines, I've kind of uh, built a home studio so I can record from home. If anybody mm-hmm. wants me to just just send me a song and I'll record it, send mm-hmm. you back to STEM, Um, I'll start with that. And then, you know, when things open back up, um, try and, you know, get involved in the the recording scene out here.
0: Mm-hmm. In Nashville. Yeah. But that's great. But effectively, you have your own studio, you have your own gear set up and you're ready to, re- you know, you're open for business, basically. Yeah, basically. So if somebody wants to drum and this play with, Leanne LeHavis, Sam Smith, Westlife, Jesse J, uh, Leona Lewis, JLS. I could go on for longer. They could come to you and they can have you on their record. Yeah. Info at jghdrums.com. Shit. I might book you for something myself. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get some of that fucking premium recordings. Shit, just, I only, with no song, just the drums. Like, people look, like, people look at me like, <laughs> like is it, have you got a song to that? No, no, I just wanted the drums. So, you know. <laughs> that's dope, man. Well, listen, man, that's fantastic, man. So, just so um, people know, where can people find you at? Where can they kind of connect with you?
1: Um, yeah, you can connect with me um, via my website, um, mm-hmm. www.jghdrums dot com, mm-hmm. Instagram at JGH Drums, mm-hmm. Twitter at jghdrums, um, I'm on Facebook kind of, but, um, <laughs> forward slash jghdrums. Um, yeah, that's, that's the way to connect with me. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram, so yeah, mm-hmm. hit me up. I, I answer questions. I don't bite, uh, maybe <laughs> people think I'm not approachable, but, um, yeah, you can approach me, man, just Hit me up, man.
0: Ah, oh, fantastic. And, well, listen, brother. Listen, it's been fantastic talking to you, man. It really, really right. has. Um, we could we could obviously go on for hours. People that know me know that we could definitely go on for <laughs> hours, but, um, I want to try and keep it to an hour for now, but, um, yeah, man, it'd be great to have you on again at some point and catch up with you on other things that you do. And I'm sure there'd be a million people that would love to hear about your kind of, um, ongoing adventures and whatnot. But, um, thanks again for coming on. It's been great talking to you and I'll catch up with you soon. Yes, my dude. Um, I take it. easy. It all right. Peace. Well I had a lot of fun catching up with the homie ginge. Hope you enjoyed it too. As always, please feel free to like, share, comment, feedback, all the goodness we wanna know. We wanna keep making this better and better. On the next episode, I'll talk Okian Woman, aka Maestro, Pianist, composer, and gentleman. As the thread suggests, it's a double episode, so you get two for one, deuces.